0: Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. My name's Matt Southgum and I'm joined by Rob Lloyd uh, this morning, coming to you live from Dublin Airport, uh, the day after Wales were defeated 37-27 as the announcements go off. just shows that we are live and totally unscripted and there's every chance we're going to miss our flight if it drags on. So we better crack on with it, Rob. Um, overall impressions of the game yesterday?
1: Yeah, it's just just very very strange game it's a strange experience watching that game to be honest because you felt like we were watching Wales take a bit of a hammering and yet you looked up at the scoreboard and well two minutes for half time Wales were leading and uh, they'd just been on the rack for so long and obviously it it took its toll in the second period Ireland were excellent they were direct they were strong they were muscular and uh, they got over the gain line and they exposed some Welsh uh, frailties and of course Discipline cost Wales dear, a couple of contentious penalties in the first half, I felt, but Warren Gatlin said after the game, he said, you know, we only had ourselves to blame with a couple of those penalties. They'd, they'd spoken all week about not giving away silly penalties, not allowing Ireland to get a foothold in their territory, and it, it just, it, you know, that's what happened, you know. Ireland set up camp, basically, in the Welsh half, That uh, you know, in that first period, and uh, you know, points came in the end. It's
0: a difficult one, as you say, to, to talk about and write about because uh, you look up and Ireland are constantly with the ball. They're constantly in Wales's half. You're thinking Wales are on the on the wrong end of a hammer in here, and, and it came down to it. And with with in the last play of the game, Wales were like they were at Twickenham I'm looking for a try that would have won them the game, and that would have been almost a crime against the sport, given the, the dominance that Ireland had throughout.
1: Yeah, what's his stats? Stats, damn lies, whatever that. was what they
0: say, yeah. I mean, it's. Um,
1: it's frustrating because when Wales actually did manage to keep some ball, and when they did manage to go through a few phases, they looked like they could, you know, they could open up Ireland any time. They scored three great tries, particularly, you know, that Steph Evans went from that offload from Scott Williams, you know, that Fionnavidi uh, to put Shingler away for that try. So when Wales actually did manage to get some ball and keep it, then you felt they were going to score a try.
0: But yeah, it was just so few and far between. They just couldn't get hold of that ball there. One of the most unusual things about the performance was that the dominance that Ireland seemed to enjoy in the tight. Um, there's always going to be that style of play from them, and they didn't do anything that caught Wales off guard, as Warren Gatland said after the match. I think we all saw it coming all week. It was going to be a case of Sexton putting them in the right positions, and, and then the forwards looking to get on top. But Wales's Wales front five up until now in the Championship has been one of the best front fives in that Championship. Um, but they just seem to get a lot of joy around the fringes, Um, and we were looking at the the highlights on the way over to the airport and and we noticed all their tries are from close range apart from the intercept which is a bit of a freak Um, and it just shows that they they were able to build that pressure in the 22 and, and unlike in years gone by Wales weren't able to hold them out.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we went out for a meal with the Irish journalists on, on Friday night and, and speaking to them, they were concerned. They were concerned at the loss of Tag Furlong. They were concerned Ian Henderson wasn't there. So they thought they might lack a bit of set piece now. So they might, you know, Andrew Porter might come under, under pressure from Rob Evans and the, and that Welsh front row, which has gone really well up until now in the Championship. But that just never materialised. The Welsh pack just uh, had a below par day, to be honest. They got hit on the game then, they got hit back. They struggled to generate any sort of quick ball for Gareth Davis. Uh, and that rumbling maul of the line out of the Irish, uh, you know, was a great weapon for them. And Will struggled to stop it. And when they did manage to stop it, they couldn't then halt, as you said, those direct runners coming over the game line. And uh, yeah, it was nothing subtle about what Irish Ireland were doing, but it was pretty effective.
0: I think I'm right in saying it's the first time in the Gatland era that, well, it's the most points they've ever conceded under, under Gatland in the Six Nations. Um, obviously, the winning margin wasn't as bad as it has been in the past, but um, Sean Edwards and Andy Farrell, there was a lot said about those two in the build up to this game. Edwards was quite forthcoming in his press conference. He was keen to explain uh, that his record stands up against anyone's, etc. He's a proud man, um, given what we've just talked about, and that. You know, 2015, you watched them hammer Ireland back after about 50 phases in the Welsh 22. It was almost the polar opposite this time. Ireland got into the 22, and they got what they what they wanted on on every turn. Um, so that will have really hurt Sean Edwards yesterday. Yeah, I think so. Just things like
1: the Bundyaki try and the Keen Healy try in the second half, you just felt like right. Wales are doing well. Yeah. They're holding them, they're holding them, and all of a sudden, Ireland got over the line, and it's just that frustration. Perhaps in other games, you've seen Wales, as you said... Bump players back. That you know they've got that physicality. the Ireland would have had to try something a little bit different to try and get over the whitewash, but they didn't have. You know they came off Conor Murray on you know close range hits, and they just kept pounding, pounding, and pounding, and eventually they found a way over the game line. And, and there were a couple of occasions out wide as well. Wales were just caught defensively. Obviously, they were caught narrow for the opening try by Stockdale. A wonderful pass by. Um, Johnny Sexton, but you just felt Wales could have done a little bit better there, and again, you know, Keith Hurles made a break there in the, in the first half there were other occasions, Sexton came
0: round on the loop, and you just felt the Welsh defence just didn't have its best day From an, an attacking standpoint then I was in discussions with our colleague Mick Scully from the Irish Mirror throughout the game and we were talking about ratings and things like that, and um, it was a difficult one because in, in the first half, nobody, they didn't really have the ball, and to... Um, to try and analyse a team that hasn't had the ball is quite tricky because we were looking at players that were standing out, players that weren't having their best game and it's difficult to be critical of of a backline that just was totally starved of possession. Yeah, that's right. Went, and when Wales did have the ball, they did open
1: up Ireland. They, they created opportunities. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? When you haven't got the ball, it's difficult to create anything. Um, and it's difficult to talk, you know, because some of the Welsh squad are just walking past. <laughs> so I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> in lower tones, But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, just a tip Rick and Bradley Day have just walk past smiling. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that Welsh back division, when they do create, they do, they do look dangerous and they have done all championship it's just uh, they just starved the possession on, on Saturday just, just didn't get the ball at all and uh, you know Gareth Davis he, you know, he's, he's got such a threat but starved the possession then then Wales really can't offer anything as you said it's difficult to mark those players I mean <laughs> Liam Williams is a great attacking runner but we, we didn't see him until what, early in the second yeah. half to get his hands on the ball Um you know, George North. I thought when he came on, looked a real threat, and yeah. I think we'll see a bit of George now for the for the Italy game. he looked back to the George North of old when we've seen on, on uh, that Lions tour of Australia. He looked strong, he looked powerful, and uh, yeah, well, that was that was probably one of the few positives in attack for us. Yeah, yeah,
0: Dan Bigger, rightly or wrongly, is similar to Rhys Patchell against England, actually, is being uh, fingered by some as as almost a scapegoat for this performance. I think it's fair to say a lot of people being critical of him. Not just the way he played, but his mannerisms on the field. It's well documented. We've all talked about in the past, that he he gets a bit animated at times. Um, But he's, rightly or wrongly now, being seen as the person who held Wales back to a certain degree yesterday, given the way that they managed to play against Scotland, how they looked promising in the final quarter against England. And for the first... Well, up until Anscombe came on, there wasn't a lot offered by Wales but as we just discussed it's maybe a bit harsh to do that just purely because they couldn't get a foothold in the game
1: Yeah I think it's harsh I think it is harsh to single out bigger I'm a fan of bigger Uh, he's not he's a different player to he's Patchel. and I think but he's capable of playing that type of game that Wales played against Scotland I mean the difference in Scotland the Scotland game They just allowed Wales to come at them. You know, the Irish defence yesterday was just in the Welsh faces all game. You know, they had no time whatsoever. The ball has been fumbled. You know, they were double tackling Welsh players and the ball has been spilled. Um, but yeah I mean Remember Dan Big has been out Since what early, early January With a shoulder injury he's his first game back And you know He, he caught two Magnificent high balls Yesterday uh, and, and, and that's a huge Strength of him I think Wales can play With Dan Bigger at a 10 I think he's got That passing game He might not be the, uh, As dangerous a runner As a Patchel Or an Anscombe, But I think He can dictate And I'd have liked To see how Johnny Sexton Would have fared With a little ball uh, Wales had If he'd have been In the number 10 jersey So yeah I think I um, think those were, I mean, it's, it's typical Welsh rugby, isn't it? We have a defeat and we look at someone to blame. Um, I'm sure there'll be people on social media giving Dan Bigger a hard time this week. But, uh, you know, I think I think he's a he's a quality player. He's world class in my eyes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's I think Wales' his game plan with Bigger there will work.
0: Similar, similar to the general consensus with Patchell then, is it, is it pretty unfair then to be singling individuals out in a performance where so many were were below what they'd expect to be at?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's sort of the theme of the day. You started early, penalty against Wales, Ireland, possession, keep keep the ball, keep the ball. Another penalty against Wales, and you just felt, God, this is just never ending. You know, there's just this relentless Irish pressure, and yeah. I mean, Wales' defence perhaps wasn't up to a similar stance it had been a few years ago in Cardiff, that memorable occasion when they you know, stopped Ireland for all those phases. But what happened? The Welsh practice wasn't strong enough on the day in terms of their performance. They'd be disappointed with uh, how easily Ireland sort of got over the gain line, how easily Ireland disrupted their own ball. Um, and there's a lot of game management questions as well. Wales will think, well, how... You know, how did we only get seventy-three percent possession or whatever it was, and and seventy percent? How did Ireland, sorry, get that much possession and and the seventy percent territory as well? And you think, well, that shouldn't happen in a game in a Test match with the, with players of Wales' quality and experience there as well.
0: And, and not only that, obviously, as we, as you touched on at the start, Wales were leading with with a couple of minutes to go before half time, and you just think they had been under pressure. But you think if they can hold out here, manage this period. And maybe the much happier side going in at the break then, and maybe it adds a little different sort of mental edge to it going into the second half. But obviously, they gave away the, the scores and, and, and were behind. They just started the same way again, didn't
1: they? You know, Ireland had the ball. All of a sudden, they found themselves deep in Welsh territory, and uh, they got early tries in that second half. And that third, that third quarter just, just obviously, was defined the match. Then Wales, were ch- when Wales were chasing the game in that final quarter, you thought, God, look, stand looked dangerous, and you wonder. What would have happened if Wales would have managed you know, to have a bit more than just, just scraps, basically, for the day? But yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think there's any arguments about, uh, you know, I think the mar- final margin of uh, defeat flatted Wales a little bit. Uh, Gatlin would feel, yeah, Gatlin spoke after the game. He said, you know, we, we could have won that, you know, if, if that pass hadn't been picked off by Stockwell. It was, it was an ambitious pass, you have to say, by Anskam, coming, you know, it was, uh, you know, all or nothing, really. But uh, yeah, I mean, if who knows? But. I do feel Wales just just didn't have the same intensity as Ireland on the day, and I think Ireland were just that, that bit hungry, and it told all across
0: the park. Uh, at the start of the match, Sexton uh, missed a few kicks at goal. Um, Halfpenny steps up and bangs bangs, run over from absolutely the other end of Dublin. And you're thinking, OK, maybe Sexton's not on his game today. Halfpenny you know, showed what Wales missed at Twickenham in terms of that. Dead, you know that in, you know he, he's such a a brilliant goal kicker. Um, you've got no doubts about it. Every time he steps up these days, and he even showed late on when the pressure was coming on and Wales were coming back into the game. He kicked two touchline conversions.
1: Fantastic conversions. And
0: but then so there was an element at the start of the game where you're thinking, okay, this could be Wales's day. But then out of nowhere, then I think the penalty count felt a lot worse than it looks on paper. In the first half, it felt like Wales were pinged off the park, and I think that's going to disappoint Warren Gatland, especially after being so squeaky clean at, at uh, Twickenham. Definitely,
1: I know. I you know it's it's going to be interesting moving forward now, not just these next two matches of the championship, but uh, obviously the summer tour and what comes next, heading to the World Cup. How this back three with Wales is going to work out. I mean, you've got when everyone's fully fit, you've got. George Northley half been Liam Williams who I still feel his best position is full-back and Steph Evans is growing as an international rugby player he's starting to feel comfortable in, out there uh, and, and looks dangerous so you know it's, 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 it's a tough one you know if, if, you, if you're adopting this exciting free-flowing offloading game plan then, you know, Liam Williams is the... I, I, thought he was, I thought Liam was wasted. I thought he was wasted yesterday out in the wing. We just didn't see him. And at full-back, he offers just a dif- different uh, attacking threat. But how can you ignore a player of half kicking calibre. And, and in fairness, he, pr- he produced a couple of big de- defensive interventions. He, You know, he scythed down Conor Murray close to the line. He's, he, as Gatlin said after the Scotland game, he's the best defensive full-back in world rugby. But... Is that enough these days? I mean it depends on Wills and how Gatlin wants to look at that back three option going forward. I'd like to see Liam at full back and even if you're going to accommodate Lee put him on the wing there. But it's it's going to be a difficult juggling act to keep all those happy.
0: Yeah, and I mean we were worried obviously half penny missed the 2015 World Cup and everybody was worried about what what we'd miss in terms of his, his goal kicking and from the tee, etc. But in that tournament Dan Bigger really stepped up to the plate, showed that he could do it, kick Wales to victory against England obviously. Um, but you don't. You just don't want to be in that situation in the first group game where Wales are lose by two points because they've missed a penalty, a
1: penalty.
0: And, and, and that's the that's the dilemma Gatland faces. And it's not just the players you've mentioned there as well. Alan Amos has been in brilliant, course, yeah. brilliant form for the Dragons. Um, last time I watched him against uh, Glasgow, he was anyway. Um, and you've obviously got the likes of Josh Adams trying to come through as well. Where you know, obviously a totally unknown quantity on the international stage, but could. In, in the in the time between now and next summer proved to be um, proved to be the real deal so it's a, but it's a good position to be in as well I think this championship is as I know
1: obviously Wales have lost the last two games but it's going to be a real positive in terms of the World Cup I think the depth is there now I think you look at obviously you've got the legs of out to come back. Sam Warburton after all his injury worries to come back in the mix obviously Justin Pickering the Tippericks had a, a limited opportunity during this championship so yeah and you've got players of the calibre of Ellis Jenkins and James Davis waiting for their opportunity so uh, I think the strength is there second rows. I think Corey Hill he, did, he didn't reach the standards he had done in the f- previous two matches but you know he he's had a positive championship as well and um, yeah I think in, in the majority of positions in that Welsh team perhaps were a little bit shy in midfield. Uh, the depth is there
0: it's interesting after the game to hear um, Warren Gatlin talk about the fitness of his scrum halves um, we've been having to think about this pretty much yeah. r- all last night and this morning trying to figure out what he was what he was getting at um, Gareth Dave, he was he was asked a question which was pretty much an open goal for any head coach, given that Gareth Davis has scored two tries in three games. Wales haven't really missed Rhys Webb that much. He was asked uh, just for a comment on Gareth Davies' form so far, and, and though he, he did praise him for being a, a lethal attacker when he's close to the line, uh, he wanted to point out that his scrum halves are not fit enough for the style of game they want to play. Now, Gareth Davies strikes me as one of the fitness blokes um, around. Seen pictures of him on his Instagram top on, on his Instagram uh, when he's on holidays with his top off, and he's in pretty good nick to be fair. So, it's a bit of a strange one, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I didn't get that one to be honest. And I, you know, I, I covered a lot, a lot of scarlet schemes and you know, both Ali Davis and Gareth Davis it's never been an accusation pointed at them. They're lacking fitness, so they're carrying a bit uh, of extra weight. If that was what Catlin was alluding to I don't know I, I, I suppose you'd have to look at the game a little bit closer to see if he was a little bit slow to certain breakdowns but nothing actually stands out for me to think oh, where's the Scramafia yeah. um, it's a strange one and as we said in terms of what he offers his pace his speed of the mark just everything about him as a, as a dynamic athletic force doesn't suggest to me he's, uh, he's a little bit unfit
0: it's always interesting when you see coaches using the media like that to try and send a message to their players is it a bit of a risky tactic sometimes especially when you've got a player there who's as we've said he's probably been one of Wales's better performers in this championship so far came in under a lot of pressure to fill the shoes of Rhys Webb we all know what that situation is and there's a lot of emotion attached to that um, but he's just knuckled down and he's, he's actually done pretty well I think yeah I mean if you were
1: picking a a team of the championship at the moment. In terms of your pick and your scrum half, you probably have Conor Murray as, as, your, as your top choice, and Gareth would be pretty close to him. Um, yeah, we, uh, Wales haven't missed Webb, I don't think. I think I think you know, just talking to the say a few of the Irish journalists in the press room yesterday, and they were really impressed by what Gareth Davis offered by his threat, you know, with limited possession as well. And I think he, what he's proven of the Scarlets that ability just to score from anywhere. Perhaps in the past he hasn't taken that onto the international stage, and he's been accused of perhaps not having the same game management as what Webb has. But I think in the in the opening three matches he's shown that he's a real real danger and a real potent scoring uh, weapon for Wales.
0: Just just throw it ahead then. Um, Warren Gatland has admitted in, in the press conference that the championships beyond Wales now probably not mathematically, but in, in the realms of possibility, um, the, the tournament's over. Um, Looking ahead to Italy then, what what sort of changes are we looking at? We touched on George North earlier, who, in in what we've seen of him in the last few weeks, I think is showing signs that he is on the verge of getting back to his best form. He's just got that, he seems to have that aura back where he's difficult to stop, he looks sharp, um, defenders are falling off him again, um, and he looks like he's got a bit of confidence, so we're expecting him to come back in. And and what else do, do you think we might see? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, uh, historically, Warden
1: doesn't make a huge amount of changes during the Six Nations. He's always seen the autumn as that opportunity. To, and, and I suppose in the autumn, what tends to happen, you have a full-strength Welsh team, and then that third match during the autumn, everyone's almost changed on block. And what you tend to get is a lot of inexperienced players all thrown in together in the same team. Obviously, I don't think that'll happen against Italy. I think he'll make a few changes. I think if he wants to find out who... If Dan Big is going to be his first choice, fly half... For the World Cup, then he needs to really be certain who's going to be his deputy. We've seen Rhys Patchell in the opening couple of games. See Dan came back last week. I think Gareth Anscombe started just once at fly half in his short Test career with Wales. So it's an ideal opportunity to give Anscombe a chance at ten, uh, and not in an inexperienced backline in an ex- in, a, in a backline that that have been playing together and training together just to see what he can do if he can pull the strings. Elsewhere, I think. You know, it's no reflection of performances so far, but it'd be nice to see Elliot D from the start, possibly. I mean, Ken Owens is Wales' first-choice hooker, there's no doubt about that, but it'll just be nice to see her. Perhaps D, an enthusiastic, D bring a bit of energy. Um, possibly Bradley Davis hasn't started for Wales for a few years, so, yeah, he will get him in the starting. And, and uh, you know, this, we, we've got great players lining up at Sam, Do you have a look at give Tipperick his chance, or do you think, right, is this the ideal chance now to give... Maybe a James Davis or an Ellis Jenkins their uh, their Six Nations opportunity, and perhaps that, that might be the way forward. Just to see Gatlin spoke about wanting to see if players were up to it at the Six Nations level. Well, we know Tipbrick is. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So if he's just wanting to have a look and see if players can uh, uh, make the grade, then yeah, yeah, a James Davis or Ellis Jenkins would be an option at, at open side and. As you said, do you think of behind the scrum? Do you bring in an Owen Watkin in midfield just to see how he goes? We haven't seen much of Owen Williams. No. <laughs> There's another option, but then do, are you moving into the realms of changing too many players and perhaps um, risking We're at Georgia, Yeah, risking destabilising you know and you know the whole championship then really. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd expect probably five or six changes to be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah I think Wales I think Wales will win comfortably. I you know, Italy have been disappointed in this championship again, you know, they are leaking a lot of tries and uh, yeah, I think Wales will win with something to spare.
0: All right, then we'll uh, leave it there. We've got to scarper now to get to our flight. Otherwise, we're looking at another night in uh, in Dublin. Uh, Thanks for listening and thanks for joining us, Rob. Uh, As always, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, so head over there, search for the Welsh Rugby Podcast, and you should find this no trouble at all. Uh, The Six Nations heads into a rest week now uh, until we face uh, Italy in a fortnight's time. And, of course, you can catch all the build-up to that one on Wales Online.